0: Otenie! Ala, ah,
1: Report in, red two here. Red
2: five, standing by.
1: What's up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Faded Japan. I am your host Johnny.
2: And I'm Tom Tom Tokyo. And I'm Jeremy
1: Destin. We're glad to be here. That's right. And as you find, folks yes, know, Got Faded Japan is about two dudes, booze, Japan, and the news. And this is episode Japan number and the news. Five, uh, five, five, six... Five hundred and fifty six and faders this is a very special episode today we are here with the one the only Jimmy Mac from Rebel Force Radio Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show i can 't believe you thanks you're for having that. me
3: thank you guys <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> we 're just talking before the show it 's a little early for me uh, to be uh, talking on a microphone so Excuse the, uh, the, I'm a little crispy around the edges at this time of the morning, so. <laughs> That's okay, that we're pretty crispy
1: too. It's kind of late here for us. <laughs> so you guys talk about beer or well, drinking? Basically, we talk about Japan, Japan culture, basically subculture, underground culture. We talk about a lot of beer-related stuff and stories, um, things that are happening in Japan as well. And then we break down the weekly bizarre twisted news from this country
3: course uh i visited japan once in 2008 for star wars celebration which was in chiba oh really and uh, yeah and that was okay. that was outrageous and uh there's certainly a lot of uh, japanese star wars fans there who just uh, you know adore the franchise so china uh, uh, japan's a great uh, again it's, I'm, I'm, it's early uh but japan's a great country just i mean i, I <laughs> no, couldn't I just time. couldn't believe it i just couldn't believe it. Um, I couldn't believe how hot it was.
0: <laughs> we were yeah, there you summer. got here in the middle of summer. Wow, was oh, it hot. it's bad now.
2: Yeah. I remember that time. I was there as well at the Star Wars celebration. That's like one of the only uh, celebrations they've ever had here in Asia. They usually do it primarily in your neck of the woods, Chicago or Anaheim. and I think sometimes they've done it in, in Florida. And, um, of course, in Europe as well. Have you ever had a chance to go overseas to any other, other ones or just only in Asia?
3: No, just the one, just the one in Chiba. Um, yeah, there were a couple of them in England and one in Germany. I would have loved to have gone on uh, any of those, mm. but oh, yeah, me too. But you know, it's not exactly, uh, like you know going to wisconsin for me it's it's a little difficult
2: and hours so. and hours on a plane right mm. yeah
3: yeah yeah
2: when i when
3: i um flew to japan that was uh 28 hours door to door you really know, get to like, know you know mm. you really get introspective on that kind of trip but uh i enjoyed it i i enjoyed mm, okay. everything about it that whole trip was just it was wonderful
2: I really like living here, and we've all lived here for decades. You know, I've lived here for 25 years, and these guys have lived here probably nearly as long, if not you know, about the same. Um, the cool thing is that we have you on the show today, and we want to talk about Star Wars. And as you know, Japan is really influenced by Star Wars, and, and Star Wars is really influenced by Japan. It's a huge pop culture here. Every year when we have Comic-Con, you see loads of people dressed up. They, we have our own 501st. You know a group of guys we've got a rebel legion group of guys which is a separate group from the 501st we've got collectors we've got special toys that get introduced only into japan and and these kind of things now obviously i'm a huge star wars fan and i have been since i was a little kid and always thinking about star wars and something really cool came across my mind today and i wanted to run it by you and see what your thoughts on this was so in episode seven Kylo Ren is talking to the helmet of Darth Vader. And he says, let me finish what you began. And that has always bothered me. And I was was like, what does that mean? Let me finish building the second Death Star. Let me finish, you know, killing off the rebels. Let me finish killing off the Jedi. And today it finally dawned on me possibly what that could have meant. So if you go, if you roll it back to episode three, Vader actually starts his journey to the dark side when he walks into Palpatine watching the bubble show or whatever that opera was right yeah, yeah. he goes yeah. you know have you heard the story of Plagueis the wise you know that that starts anakin down his his trail so what drew anakin to the dark side and what he started there was learning how to raise people from the dead. right right, right. roll forward roll forward roll forward and spoiler uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen uh, the rise of skywalker at the end of rise of skywalker what happens Kylo raises Rey from the dead, basically completing that quest. What do you think?
3: Well, no, I think you're you're going on a, a, a interesting trail there, and uh, it's it's I, I find it incredible you bring this up because I found myself thinking the exact same thing just a few days ago as I was rewatching Attack of the Clones for the first time in several years, and right. uh, I took note of. Number one, I took note of Hayden's acting performance, which I think he gets ripped on a lot. But if you take a look, I mean, really pay attention to what he's doing in episode two. He's he's bringing his a game. Right. Excuse me. He's bringing his a game. And um, and I was thinking that myself specifically with that line. Uh, Someday I'm going to learn how to stop people from dying. You know, he says that plain as day. And that does seem like something that pushed him down the path of the dark side because uh, he said that after he had killed the Tusken Raider camp that held his mom prisoner and uh, you know, he was, uh, and he lost his mom. And so as a result, the rage got to him and corrupted his power and he used all of his force abilities to destroy and kill all of those Tusken Raiders as an act of vengeance for killing his mom. And uh, so then that's where he gets the idea that he wants to use the force to prevent people from dying. And it's a selfish notion of his, And that's uh, something you shouldn't be using the dark side for. You go down the path to darkness by trying to protect the things you have, by trying to keep what you own your property, you know? And so that's what Anakin was doing. He was trying to protect his, you know, his existence by making sure that the people that are important to him, you know, don't suffer or die. And so that, yes, that definitely pushed him on the path to the dark side. So when Ren says that in 7, and then actually does reveal the ability to stop people from dying in 9, then you you do sort of see a very clear thread running through the prequels into the sequels. So, no, I think that's pretty astute. I think that's something, Jeremy, that's going to – pick up more steam as the uh, saga now completed saga sort of seeps into uh, the pop culture consciousness. I think you're going right. to start hearing more conversations like this.
2: Right. And th- I thought that was really interesting because it just dawned on me. It's like, it's like, cause I always thought that line was kind of weird, you know, help me finish what you started. I'm like, Oh, he started a lot of things. You know, what is, what does he actually mean? And then after you know, just sitting there and pondering that for a while, it popped into my head. Oh, he wants to stop death. That's what I he think, started.
3: I think the yeah. easy answer is uh, extermination of the Jedi, which is, well. And that, that's and sort of how there's, I... Like,
2: there's only two. Yeah, there's two, right, in, And at that point, or one that he knows of. Luke still right. was unknown at that point.
3: And Kylo has already gone on something of a Jedi purge when he yeah. attacked Luke and burned the Jedi Academy to the ground. So he's already doing what his grandfather had done. He's already carrying out his own order 66. But uh, so that's to me, the most obvious answer. Finish what you started, meaning Mm -hmm. extermination of the Jedi once and for all. But uh, you know from the galaxy. That's that's an interesting take you you have on it though, where you incorporate that save people from dying line. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting you brought that up because I was just thinking about this the other day, and uh, yeah,
2: that's that's very very solid
3: on. analysis. What's that?
2: I knew you were coming on, so I I was thinking like, what could I bring up with Jimmy? And this is the thought that just popped into my head. I, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is something I haven't heard a lot of you know anyone talk about yet. So I thought Mm -hmm. I would just throw it out there as a kind of a new theory or, or, you know, see if anybody else had the same thought. You know, I'm sure I'm not the first guy to think of this. But I I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there who thought of this.
3: Well, that's the fun part about when new Star Wars films come out, is that it makes you look at the older films in a different light. And it gives new meaning to certain things that you may have sort of uh, taken for granted for a long time. And all of a sudden, you know, you see it in a different light. That's, that's effective storytelling in my book. If you can do that over the like course well. of nine films in 40 years, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive.
2: Three, three directors or four directors, right? Four. Di- oh no, more.
3: Five. <laughs> well, George, five, and the, the two, Kirsch, uh, Mark Wand, stories, uh, Abrams and Johnson. So that's five of uh, the saga films. Yeah. The saga and then films, yeah. Kathleen Kennedy is fired like 10. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. 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 She keeps bringing them on and, and dropping them as soon as they make her angry, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on there. That's, that, that, whole, that whole situation seems kind of weird because we're on the outside and we have no idea what's, what's being said behind closed doors. We can only right. just guess, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know any of those people personally, so I don't want to say anything disparaging, but I, I don't know what was going on because as you mentioned, she kept bringing on people and letting them go, bringing them on, letting them go. And then she finally got back around to JJ, which from my recollection, didn't really enjoy his time the first time around.
3: I don't think so. I don't think, I, I think they brought him back kicking and screaming, but, yeah, uh, so mean. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: well, you know, I mean, I, I think that's just the result of, of just diving in head first and, uh, uh r- rushing things to, uh, appease the, the board of directors at, at Disney. Um, just the, the, the instant that they acquired the property, Bob Iger was announcing release dates. And it's right. like, oh, my God, how um, how are you going to <laughs> – You know, I, I just find it funny to to be announcing release dates for films that have no script, no director, no crew, no cast, no nothing. And right. they're announcing right. release dates. It's um, – you know, it's it's a different approach to the creative process that I don't think really works. and uh, But that's just the harsh reality of, of business in Hollywood these days. But, I mean, my God, George Lucas, he sat in his office and wrote the, the, and researched the, the prequel trilogy. He did that for two years before he even announced that a Star Wars film was coming. You know,
2: and I felt I thought like the prequel films were more planned out than than the original three because in the original three, the first step was was Episode four, and he didn't know if it was going to flop or if it was going to be great. Fortunately, it was great. Mm-hmm. So then after that, he's like got all this money of his own. Now he's got all this money, and now he's got to think, all right, I'm going to do I'm going to do a sequel. I'm not going to direct it, but I'm going to kind of write it. So. Even in the writing of that sequel, up until a certain point, you know the the the, the kiss that everyone the sec the, the the first kiss that everyone talks about, in, the, in the, is when Luke kisses his sister or sister kisses him. Yeah. You know that wasn't planned out. I can I can tell you that wasn't. You can just see it because of the story writing that that wasn't planned out that they were they were later going to become twins. Do you, do you oh yeah, right, it? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I think in, by by the time Episode six rolled, rolled around, he had a jogger knot, and he. You know, he probably didn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do with billions and billions and billions of dollars and no. a huge juggernaut on my hands. It's You would need someone like Tolkien to, to like <laughs> put all that together, right? You know, a huge cork board and piece all those pieces together. Yeah. But he, yeah. So I think that, that when he went back to the drawing board for the prequels, which I, I kind of like, I really like the prequels. I think he, yeah. he much more thought it out. Go ahead.
3: Yes. I mean, the prequels definitely had a direction it was going in. There were certain pieces on the playing board that were already there by the time Lucas sat down. And uh, he just had to figure out how to make it all work. Uh, With the original trilogy, it was going in a certain direction. And then at some point between Empire and Jedi, George decided that he was going to wrap everything up with Mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi. And that wasn't part of the plan and that caused the falling out with Gary Kurtz that caused, uh, you know, and a lot of it is a a result of the fact that George's uh, marriage was falling apart. And, Mm -hmm. uh, while he was off making return of the Jedi, he uh, left his uh, wife, Marcia in charge of overseeing construction at Skywalker ranch. And they would, so she was, uh, working with this guy who was making the uh, stained glass ceiling, the dome ceiling for the library in the main house. And uh, Marsha
1: ran off with him. <laughs> the uh, the guy, That's why the movie was so dark.
3: Well, <laughs> that's why she... Stained glass off. guy always gets the chicks. <laughs> the stained glass guy while Lucas is off making Return of the Jedi.
2: <laughs>
3: and so look, she runs off with I him. And they had just adopted a, a girl. At that time too, so they had like a two-year-old at home. She's off with the stained glass guy. George is making a movie, you know, oblivious to any sort of human interaction, and uh, sure. so, so he had a lot of you know his his world was kind of falling apart at that time, despite all of his riches and fame and fortune, you know, yeah. and and Star Wars, um, it was hard for him, mm. um, because you know I I think he wanted to be more of an executive. Uh, producer type because directing the first film nearly killed him but then you know he just he he was the only one who could really get the story right it seemed he brought in lee Brackett to write uh, empire strikes back she passed away while she was writing it um but he rejected her first draft and um and really you know There was a lot of, there's a lot of wild stuff going on in that first draft. And so he sat down and actually nailed the story himself and knocked it out before he brought in Lawrence Kasdan to actually write the entire script. But it was George who created the entire story for Empire Strikes Back. So he tried to get out that one time and uh, he got sucked back in. The other problem was Irving Kirshner was uh, running over time and over budget and things like that you know so now now you're talking dollars and cents too so that presents a lot of uh stress and uh so george then um you know empire turned out to be fantastic amazing great and uh george again hired he wanted kirsch to come back to do return of the jedi kirsch didn't want to do it again um and uh Because that was just such a huge production and something that Kirshner wasn't really accustomed to. You know, he was more accustomed to much smaller films. Um, Despite that, he went on to do the uh, Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery and uh, RoboCop 2. So... (laughs) So, you know, there was something about working on uh, big blockbusters that appealed to Kirshner at the end of the day, but he just didn't want to go through Star Wars again. So, George brought in Richard Marquand and uh, and was very hands-on once again on the set yep. directing. George was actually directing sequences in Return of the Jedi and things like that. Very hands-on with, with uh, Marquand. And um, so, at the end of that, you know, his marriage had fallen apart. He was, you know, totally rich. He he had finished Star Wars, and um, you know, he had the 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 prequels in the back of his mind for you know some other day, but uh, but yeah, that was that was pretty much it. That was uh, how it all sort of came to an end, and and how Return of the Jedi changed on the fly so much. Leia wasn't supposed right. to be Luke's sister. Uh, no that was way. all just done for, con- out of convenience sake, you know, George was just sure. trying to wrap it all up the best he could. Um, and, uh, they, they dropped that tease about there being another, you know, though there is another, so they dropped that tease yeah. and empire strikes back and who was that person supposed to be? There's been a lot of speculation and rumors over the years. It was going to be Luke's sister, but another, it wouldn't be Leia. It would be another right. Skywalker who would emerge and uh, probably take a bigger role in the following trilogy, which never happened. Sure. Uh,
2: so. Yeah. You remember those old interviews that George Lucas was doing um, in the eighties where he said there was going to be nine or 12 stories to begin with. Mm-hmm. And he, he laid it out. He said that he said it himself. And then yeah. I think what you said is correct. He got to that point in his life where he just had to hit the brakes. Yeah. You know? And he had a, he had to jump off he had to jump off this story because it, he had so much going on in his personal life.
3: Yeah, and he had other film projects he wanted to work on too. He had Indiana Jones, which was doing well. He had uh, Howard, of course, the Howard the Duck. Yeah, you know, Howard you got to you got to plan and strategize. Howard the Duck.
2: Yeah, you guys ever seen back that? In yeah. Yeah.
3: Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, absolutely! I saw oh, it in yeah, the theaters. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I really liked that when I was a kid. Yeah, Howard the. Oh, Duck. Oh, really?
2: I
3: never. I've never seen it. I've only seen glimpses of it like on pay TV and stuff.
1: Have you read the oh. comic? Not really. No. Uh, <laughs> <The> <laughs> I'm comic's not a duck great. Head. <laughs> Hey, Jimmy, um, I've got a ton of questions for you, but um, we did get uh, a few questions from some of our fans overseas. Okay. This is from Chris in Michigan. During the Clone Wars and Rebels shows and also other Star Wars stories, uh, the Mandal- Mandalorian are also are a race. And they have their own planet and they take off their helmets. They even have a complete history. So I guess it's more of like a Mandalorian uh, question. Yeah. How come the Mandalorian TV series, they claim that Mandalorian is just a way of life, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, and that they never take off their helmets. Uh, What and when did this become an idea that is counter to everything else? I'm just reading that word by word, by the way.
3: Right. Well, I mean, clearly this is a new era where we're seeing the results of the Imperial occupation of the Mandalorian system. And apparently the uh, empire really brought the hammer down on the Mandalorians Mm -hmm. and uh, completely wiped out their people and uh, stripped their planets of all the resources and things like that. And so what we're dealing with when we catch up with the Mandalorians in the show, post return of the Jedi era, uh, this is a, a small sect of Mandalorian purists who are trying to maintain their culture. Even I mean, their culture is just basically, you know, it's shredded right now. I mean, there's there's there are no Mandalorians. It's just you don't see them around, and so they've taken a, a, an approach that is very purist in nature about their connection to their weaponry and their armor and all of that. Um, it's its more of a, probably a, a more ancient kind of approach. We saw the Mandalorians having, we saw them at odds with their culture in the Clone Wars. You saw a government that was based on pacifism and you had a bunch of warriors that were, Uh, banished to a moon and those warriors, the death watch and those warriors were trying to maintain the warrior traditions of the Mandalorians, but they still, you know, took their helmets off and uh, they, they, they acted like outlaws. They, you know, they, they weren't to me, they, the death watch weren't as respectful to true Mandalorian tradition and culture. Like what we see from the armorer and uh, those underground Mandalorians in the TV show they're they're going for a more purist approach because they're the end of their culture they're, they're all that's left, and so it's evolved in such a way that uh, they probably have adapted. A lot of traditions, ancient traditions, like not removing the helmet, things like that. That's probably more of a, an ancient Mandalorian tradition that we really haven't seen much of. And uh, so they're, they're going back to the basics to preserve their culture.
1: So that's school. what I
3: think's going on. That's, I, I think we've seen an evolution um, via destruction and elimination by the Empire. So we see these underground Mandalorians and they are very strict about their connection to their past and their culture and traditions and things like that. That's, at least, <laughs> that's okay. at least... yeah. I was going to say,
2: it's like the samurai or the ninja or some yeah. kind of martial arts background. I think once again, Star Wars is borrowing from Japan culture there. Whereas yeah. like you had warrior cultures built up in Japan over years, which are no longer around, but there's still people who know how to how did you draw the sword and how to cut through uh, bamboo posts or whatnot. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're preserving that, that culture, even though we don't walk around with swords, you know, or in, in normal society, but they're preserving that culture. And then also furthermore in the Mandalorian show um, when they were decimated, maybe all the women were killed or all the children were killed and you saw them pick up the Mandalorian, the little kid from yeah. the, um, from the um, the shelter and take mm-hmm. him and then teach him to be a Mandalorian. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of
3: adopting him and showing him the way. Well, what about Baby Yoda? Are we going to see Baby Yoda gear up
2: at some Uh, point? I I, I I listen to your podcast.
1: Yeah, in your podcast, didn't you say that you saw, like, uh, a preview where, like, uh, he's, like, a little bit older? Like, he's, like, now or something? I listen to your podcast, by the way. It's great.
2: Oh,
3: thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I I saw um, a a photo of him with uh, one of the directors, Is Robert Rodriguez doing an episode? Who did I see a picture of him with? Um, And he did look, he looked like, it could have been the lighting or something, but he did seem to have more of a adult Yoda kind of complexion or whatever. You know, like, so here he is.
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, for all you uh, video guys out there uh that are supporting the show on patreon yeah he's got a baby
0: yoda and it is
1: adorable <laughs> cool.
0: he's my little buddy okay uh sorry I- if i may I- i've got a question sure <laughs> yeah so uh jimmy my question for you since uh basically since disney bought the franchise and they declare basically i think it's like the movies and I think that clone, uh, clone war saga, like uh, 3D animation, like that's like all, all that's canon, everything else is like gone. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the books, comic books, like all the, all the side stuff has basically been declared non canon. Mm-hmm. So, since they've done that, is like, do you have any favorites or anything like, uh, all the stuff that's been declared non canon? Do you have anything like you'd like to see brought back in one form or another?
3: Well, brought back, um, you know, I mean, it's all fiction, so no, nothing's really ever gone. You know, I
0: mean, uh, yeah. but like, okay. well, I, I, I mean, in in the, in the future, like, you know, if they did another I movie you. or say like another I series, yeah,
3: that's kind of a tough one because bringing things back would, you know, unravel a lot. Um, mm. I, I I'll be honest with you, not really. They brought back Thrawn. No, they brought back Thrawn, and I thought that would be great. But then I found like I was starting to get bored of him after a while, because yeah, you, know, okay. you know he's always, in Rebels. That is, I I, I found that they made mm-hmm. Thrawn kind of boring. I you know he does, he, nothing. He does nothing. He just is just always you know he, he knows everything. You know yeah. characters like that are boring to me. You know yeah. the ones who are yeah. just they're, they're just so smart and clever that. uh you know, they're never caught off guard. It just becomes kind of mundane after a while. Drinking um, calf. Drinking <laughs> calf. But, uh, you know, there's a lot from the expanded universe I like. Um, I've just been recently reading uh, the old comic Tales, Tales of the Jedi, which came out in the 90s. All right. And uh, so I've been rereading that. And that's excellent stuff um and it ties in real well with what you know what we know about star wars even to this day it ties in real well uh they're they're putting out a new series of books called the high republic and that comes out next year and that's going to unravel a lot of the things that i think books like tales of the jedi established uh so long ago uh, because they're they're bringing um this High Republic era is only two hundred years prior to the events of A New Hope, and uh, that's uh, they're dealing with a more primitive galaxy at that point. And I was like, oh my god, two hundred years! You know, Tales of the Jedi goes back four thousand years. So, yeah.
2: two hundred years is four people.
3: But yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, it's like four um, guys ago. So, you know, and is Yoda gonna show up in it? I don't know. I don't know what they they are shooting for with the uh High Republic. And uh I'm gonna be watching that one kind of closely. Okay. Uh I hope. I hope it sucks me in, whatever they're trying to do. Um, but uh I don't know. Man, what about you? What what's like your favorite expanded universe?
0: Um, actually, I'm, I'm more of a casual. Uh, me personally, like I'm more of a casual fan. I, I think I just mostly watch the movies, and yeah, that's about it. Right, right. So and you the, don't have TV any TV series. Um, you don't have any any. Nah, nah, I'm stateful. not as knowledgeable. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like you know, I thought I thought like you know, I was like a pretty big Star Wars fan. Then I went to college, and then then like you meet people like you know, like you that have read like every every single you know. Supplement, you know, just whatever. They, you know, they've read every story. They know all these, like, crazy characters I've never heard of, and I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, cool. that's cool. like Star Wars. I don't, I don't think my fan, fan devotion levels is maybe as high as, like, someone like you or some of the other guys I met.
3: I do think it's a shame they blew all that up. I mean, I understand the, necess- the, the, the necessity of it, but, you know, you're, you're dealing with – some of those story threads and characters that have been around for a few decades. And then, you know, just to, to pull it away from, you know, there, there are some people who just absolutely adored those characters, Jason and Jaina solo and Mara Jade and, you know, characters like that. And, uh you know, then there were a lot of Jedi too. Luke rebuilt the Jedi and, you know, started an Academy and stuff. And there were a lot of cool characters that populated that, um, that new Jedi order and all of that.
2: I got a question, Jimmy. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bring us back to modern times. Uh, Going a little controversial here. What do you think about Ray Parks and what's happening with him?
3: Oh, you know, I'm not qualified to make any statements on that. I I've seen what you guys have seen. And, uh, it sure it sure seems pretty messy. I can tell you that I, you know, I've I've spent time with Ray. We were in Japan together. Oh as a yeah, matter remember, of fact. God. There was a there was a, a this this flower garden in Chiba uh not far from our hotel. And Ray would go out there and he would work out and do katas and things, and Logan was out there one day with him and stuff. And, um that was a god, what a nice park that was. And uh so but I mean in all of my experiences with ray park over the last 15 years he's he's always been a very stand-up very nice very approachable down-to-earth guy and uh i I hate to see the drama play out with him on social media and stuff i don't know i i just i i don't even know what to say about any of that stuff
2: okay Uh, i'm I'm always like my my question was wrong yeah, I like Ray, too. He's a very nice guy, stand-up guy, class act all the way. I didn't mean to go that direction. What I actually wanted to do is I was going to say, if Ray's out, who would you like to see in as Darth Maul going forward? Oh,
3: I gosh, I have no all idea. All respect to Ray. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Who could who could possibly do that? Chuck Norris. Sam? Sam Witwer? Yeah, but does Sam doesn't have the physical ability. You'd have to get stunt people in there, you know? Um Okay. And Sam, Sam in paint, uh, you know, he, Sam definitely has the intensity. Um, yeah. Um, he, you know, Sam's, all, he's a little older now. Um, right. That's, yeah, I, I don't know what to even think about any of that. You know, I, I was seeing headlines that Ray Park is going to be replaced as Darth Maul and all of that and, I was just like, when did they ever announce that he was going to be in anything?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I that's
3: mean, he point. came back in solo, and that was a big surprise. Yeah. And you figure that that story is going to be going somewhere. But, um, Maybe it's
2: a TV show.
3: D- you know, Disney's made no announcements about TV shows outside of the Kenobi and uh, Cassie and huh. Andor, and nobody said Ray was a part of those projects. So gosh I don't know. I, I just that whole thing seems to be kind of a crazy situation and uh I just I couldn't I I just can't picture someone else playing Darth Maul other than Ray just because of the physical demands of the role. But sure. let's face it, he didn't look there was something that looked very off about him in Solo. You know, right. obviously he's 20 something years older now. He he was he was yeah. a young he was a young 20 something when he shot the Phantom Menace, uh, you know, now he's, he's 40 something. You, you put that makeup sure. on him. He just looks different. He, there's just something different about the character anyway. So right. his uh, body's
2: filled out, his face fills out, everything looks dif- yeah. different. He's not, I mean, I'm not 20 anymore either. Yeah.
3: Well, and, 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 you know, him. I mean, just because he might be a little, you know, have a little more puffiness in the face or whatever, it, don't don't think for a second that the guy's in bad shape. He's he's still a world class yeah. athlete who could stick his foot right through your sternum. But uh, <laughs> but you know, but I don't know. I mean, I just I, it, the whole thing is just is a crazy situation because everything is speculation. Everything is speculation.
2: How could Ray get fired
3: from something that we don't even know he was hired for? So.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's all rumor now. It's you know, it's just speculation on our part as a Star Wars fan. Just wondering what's going to happen. Let's move yeah. off that for the time being, and let's talk about, um, you know, let's take a let's take a cue from your own your own podcast, Rebel Force Radio, and tell me what is your favorite Star Wars moment.
3: Oh, like from the films?
2: Yeah, from the films, from the cartoons, whatever. Just your favorite Star Wars moment. What's What's Jimmy Max' favorite Star Wars moment today? Can I guess?
3: <laughs> Can I guess? Yeah,
1: sure. All right. Was it episode one when we saw ET in the Senate meeting?
3: That's like, close. Oh no
2: way It's definitely it's- in my top five. <laughs> oh, it
3: did. oh my god. <laughs> definitely oh. in my top five. Yeah, the first time I saw <laughs> that, um yeah, a buddy of mine at work said, hey, did you see those ETs in the Senate scene? And I, I said, listen, man, you were seeing things. Those were hammerheads. Those weren't ETs, okay? Those were <laughs> hammerheads. And then I went and saw the movie again. And I was like, I'll be damned. He's right. Those are ETs. What the <laughs> hell? What's going on here? Um, that was great. That, that is a great moment. We're all um, connected, man. It's kind do- of oh, hard for me to, to pick a, a favorite, favorite moment because it's all like one big thing to me i could pick little moments from each film probably but uh really hard for me to decide what my favorite moment is you know that the the visit to the moss isley cantina is probably uh very high on that list i love the cantina Mm. i really really love the cantina good music um yeah. The saber Jeremy Dormi just
0: asked him to pick his favorite kid,
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah,
0: that's right. You know,
3: I could probably pick a favorite kid easier than I can a favorite <laughs> moment in Star Wars.
0: Oh, man! Hope no, no, no. it's Puppet Lando,
1: actually, right there. That's my
3: favorite. Hey, there he is. That's okay. my favorite kid right there.
1: Oh, that is, Lando. um, it's one of my questions, <laughs> but uh.
3: Yeah, you know, the saber duel between Luke and Vader is really great. I mean, all the way through. Uh, mm. I I love good saber duels. I love the saber duel from episode one with Qui-Gon and Darth Maul and mm. Obi-Wan. That's great stuff. The duel um, of
2: fates, that's fantastic.
3: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And the moments with Luke and Yoda are nice. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. But, um, you know, Battle of Yavin is spectacular. Um, Favorite kid, <laughs> yeah, really hard to do. Let's just stick with the Moss Eisley Cantina because I think kid, that sure. that had a lot to do with making Star Wars what it is today. Really, that's that's
0: a cool scene, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of
3: freaky monsters getting their drink on, and everyone's acting <laughs> like <laughs> it's totally normal. You know, <laughs> that's right. the best part. It's just like, yeah, this place could be a little rough. It's like oh god this place could be a little disgusting too <laughs> look at these people but uh, you know what, what is
1: that a bug man what is where am i you know green skin i've got a similar question what is all right you've got quite the collection from what i understand what yeah. is your prized possession
3: again puppy lando oh! uh,
1: no <laughs> no no it's not puppy lando,
3: <laughs> lando. it's not <laughs> puppy lando so I still have the original action figures I bought in 1978, uh, you know, in the, in the late 70s. I, I still have all of those, and I really like those a lot. Like, I just have a good feeling looking mm. at those <laughs> sometimes. And I always said, if there was ever a fire in the house, those would be the things I would grab, just because yeah, they've been those with me. The longest. The capes were really flammable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, But, uh, you know, there's a few uh, other things I've picked up over the years. Some things we've earned as a result of the show. Uh, We won a um, a Star Wars Fan Film uh, Award, a trophy, and it's really cool. And I like that a lot. Um, Dave Filoni gave me this plaque once for the the Wolf Pack, which is uh, his – it was this shortly-lived fan – honor that he would give to people who he felt like really contributed a lot to the Star Wars fan community and he gave uh, plaques to me and Swank, Steve Sansweet, and Bonnie Burton and then that was the end of the program so he said he made 15 of them so there's still nine more of those plaques out there but um, that's one I like a lot. I like it so much I got a tattoo of the Whoa.
0: Oh, Oh! He's hardcore he's all in
1: Nice.
3: Dude. Yeah.
0: So,
1: nice.
3: Yeah. And I had that done at star Wars celebration while we were doing a live show with Filoni standing right next right. to me. That's impressive. So that was cool. Huh. <laughs> so uh, the tattoo is one. I also have a, a, a tooth tattoo. Uh, you can't see it, it's all the way in the back. I'd stick my mouth up into the camera, but that'd be disgusting. Yeah. But I actually do have a tooth tattoo of the Rebel Alliance symbol, you know, that that symbol that's on Luke's helmet and everything. Oh, yeah. Um I had to get a cap done the sickle? after the what? The what was that? On yeah, yeah. You know, you know the symbol. It's it's everywhere. It's uh, uh okay. It's you know what I even have it on on my my mask. See? Oh,
2: look there at you! Go. Go. Uh, yeah, 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 masking it up. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all wearing masks uh, still, for the podcast. Okay, so but
3: that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, sure. yeah. so, there
1: it is. There it is. Oh, so, it's terrible um, for sound quality. Don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I know,
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: but um so, yeah, I actually,
3: so I have this 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 symbol. it's it's on um my molar. I had to get a root canal and my dentist, he's a pretty funny guy, and he's like, Hey, you want we can put a tattoo on your tooth? And I said, What's that all about? He said <laughs> he said it gets done a lot uh, with pilots and um flight crew they do it a lot so their remains can be identified if they go down in a fiery crash
1: whoa i'm never it
3: again so if if yeah Yeah. so if if i'm involved in a fiery crash you guys will be able to recognize my remains he didn't make it because of star wars because of this so I have this Star Wars uh, mask. And, you know, we have to wear masks whenever we go out in public now because of this pandemic. And what, what I find interesting talking to you guys from Japan is uh, the, the very first time I ever saw anyone wearing a face mask was in the airport in Japan back in 2008. I saw several people wearing face masks so that's been part of the you know the japanese culture out there for a a long time i think primarily because you guys are on these islands that are so small and they're so overpopulated that it's real easy to spread virus or catch it or what have you so um so like wearing masks has been something that's been a part of the culture for you guys for forever hasn't it I a remember deal. looking at uh, it it
2: kind of, uh, manners. At this point, if you have a, if you have a cold, you don't want to give it to your friends. So it's yeah. manners. You put your mask on. Yeah. Right, mm, right.
3: Mm, here, well. here in America, it's become such a big deal now because. You know, there's all all the states are saying you have to wear a mask in a lot of the states. Some states act like uh, there is no pandemic, but in a lot of the states, they you know you have to wear a mask. So people are making it very political. It has nothing to do with the virus or manners or anything, or self-preservation. It's it's about you're trampling my rights. Is it is a you know, in an individual, and you can't tell me that I have to wear that mask. But in Japan, wow. they've been wearing them forever. I remember when I was a kid, 1979. I picked up Cheap Trick live from Budokan, and if you flip oh, the yeah. back cover, you'll see their guitarist Rick Nielsen. He's he's got the mask on, and oh, wow. you know, I mean, so that's been going on out in Japan forever. Yeah, but yeah. here in America, this the resistance to the mask is. I mean, it's uncomfortable. Nobody likes wearing it, but I mean. What's the big deal You if you're going to, like, you know, stop a virus from happening? Here, I got the mask back on again. Can you hear me okay with the mask?
1: Kind of, but, Jimmy, <laughs> actually, it's actually good. Thing. You don't have to shave. You don't have to brush your teeth. <laughs> you know, if you got a cold sore rocking, you don't have to worry about that. You know, it's all good. You know, you don't have to blow your nose, man. You blow your nose, it's in the mask, dude. I mean, the mask is actually more <laughs> of a thing than a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But some people you just don't want to look at either.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like,
3: you know,
2: it's like, cover that up. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azabu-Juvan. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you.
1: Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan... they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya, about five-minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Hey, yo, what's up, faders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love prints are about 2,000 n each about 20 bucks but if you buy two you get the third one for free so come on down to the yo and on top of that i'm looking for commissioned work so if there's something that you want me to do i can make it for you just check out my stuff and see if you like my style and if you like my style i can definitely paint you anything on canvas paper whatever i've done it all so come on down to the that is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K the dot com. The SpillDink.com Dink dot com.
0: Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there!
1: Yo, what's up, haters? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each, and they're worth so much more. These, are, these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool. That's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you. And we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. If you're gonna get your fade on, you gotta get your fade on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmed. Ghost Town Pomade is the number one badass pomade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Pomade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Pomade. Badass pomade. And let me tell you one thing. It comes in a lid.
3: global pandemic affect you guys in
1: Japan uh in Tokyo mm. well Tokyo is different from the rest of
2: Japan I guess but oh, okay yeah. well, in Tokyo I live out in the sticks I live out in the sticks so it's not so bad it's still out here but it's yeah. not so bad mm. out here where I where I live in Tokyo where everyone goes you know it's, it's the central hub everyone works there everyone goes there it's a lot worse yeah I think and there's, well, there's only like 200 there's only 200 people out here with with an active case.
3: 200 with with all the people there just like on top of each other in tokyo yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, shoving you, you the way you guys
1: shove into the the trains is is fascinating no. <laughs> it's, it's
3: how could you fit
2: as so as many people
1: like less people are taking the trains these days more people yeah. are working at home i took the train today I, I go out of my house maybe three times a week other than i mean for business and stuff yeah. And um, I took the train today and I went to uh, Ikebukuro, from where well, I went from the north side of Tokyo, from the south side of Tokyo, right? And usually yeah. that train, you can't sit down and you have to stand. And there's usually people that you can't spread your arms like this, right? Yeah,
3: right, right, right.
1: Yeah, going to, going to the north side of Tokyo and then back, it was pretty much not empty, but it wasn't a lot of people. So I think yeah. a lot of people mm-hmm. are staying home more and working at home more.
0: Sure, so, yes. Similar similar experience for me, but like yeah, it's caused me a lot of problems because I've already been laid off twice from two different jobs. So it's just like oh. and that like sucks. you know, yeah, I know it it does suck. Yeah. And uh, I yeah, the it's flooded. Yeah, but yeah, it's um but I think part of it like you're saying with mask wearing thing and like Japanese people are super clean and hygienic. So washing the hands using alcohol, they're already really good about that. So yeah. I don't think it's spread as bad as fast, even in Tokyo, even when when it's crowded.
2: Hey, guys, let's give Jimmy a chance to talk about Rebel Force Radio a little bit and spread the word so he can get some more
0: uh, uh, fabulous Japanese fans. Oh, yes, absolutely. Tell us all about your show. Yeah, Rebel Force Radio. If you want to plug anything, please Please plug your show and all that.
3: Rebel Force Radio is a show about Star Wars
0: that I
3: uh, host with my uh, friend Jason Swank, and we've been talking about Star Wars for almost 15 years now. We were very early adapters to the podcast medium. It was only a, really the, the term podcast itself was only a few months old when we started doing these things.
1: 15 years. Wow. We've been doing it for 10 years.
3: Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Once you, you start doing something uh, <laughs> after a while, they, you know, I used to count uh, the days, uh, how long we have been doing the show. i would be like, wow, man, done 14 straight weeks that's fantastic and now i'm wearing like 14 straight years it's like oh my god (laughs) what what have i done uh you know but i mean i love it i i I really really do enjoy doing it we've been uh very fortunate and blessed with our show where we've been able to get a lot of uh visibility and a, a nice nice chunk of an audience and uh We've, it's opened doors for me that would have never been possible without uh, podcasting. And also podcasting has helped me with my career because I'm a radio professional. And when podcasting first came on the scene, uh, I, I was probably pretty snobby about it. You know, I thought it was amateur hour. I just, you know, I didn't really get it. And uh, it didn't take me too long to understand that you can really focus Um, have a show focus on something um, extremely intensely and for me you know the combination of radio broadcasting and Star Wars is irresistible it's like my two favorite things coming together and uh, throughout my career I had attempted to do mainstream radio Star Wars things and I, I finally was able to succeed in 2008 or 2005 where i did a a radio special when revenge of the sith came out and i went to indianapolis and i interviewed a bunch of actors and stuff and and cbs radio gave me an hour on a saturday to broadcast uh my show and um that was really the thing that sort of started me on the path of star wars audio entertainment and shortly thereafter i discovered uh podcasts and came across uh, jason swank and uh we got together and hit it off real well. And here we are all these years later, I would have never thought we'd be doing it for this long, but um, why stop? Yeah. And also at the same time, it's been interesting to watch podcasting grow as a legitimate broadcast medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got into podcasting because I looked at it as an extension of radio broadcasting, but it's evolved to where now it's an extension of social media. And, um, That comes with its, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons to that. But at the end of the day, it's more accessible to people. People are more on board. And now that we're dealing with the situation where we have a global pandemic and everyone's working from home like you guys, uh, well, except for Tom, He's get, he, gets, he gets hired than fired in the same day.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you, Tom. I'm just, I'm just. No, 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 no harm done. No harm done, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering the same. So I, I've made peace with it. I'm wondering the same. Myself, I guess. The extremely Fine. Unemployable
3: Tom uh, But <laughs> no, Somebody hire this man Somebody hire this man And get him an iPhone Yeah get him a good microphone yeah. For crying out loud uh, But well yeah
2: no,
3: That's what I'm talking about though Is like the accessibility of doing things like this um, More and more people are, are doing it as part of their Day to day routine now You know people are yeah, having yeah. Zoom meetings And stuff and um, you know, back in the day, I taught the entire Clone Wars cast how to use Skype, and now, you know, now everyone uses Zoom. How would you like to be Skype? You know, all these years, you have this business model, and then there's a, a global pandemic, everyone's at home, and you're at Skype thinking, boy, our ship has finally come in, and then all of a sudden, Zoom pops up and takes all of the glory.
0: <laughs> Zoom is easier to it use. And it's more quite expensive. Our- yeah, didn't, didn't Skype have, like, a you know, a 15-year head start, and all of a sudden, you know, Zoom just, like, you know, just waltz in there and went smack one day and beat him down.
3: Yeah, it was it's crazy. Yeah. Right when this whole lockdown started, I had never heard of Zoom. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty tech-savvy. You know, I I have a website and a podcast and all that stuff, but we've always used Skype. And, um, like, we uh-huh. have these these templates for our videos. They're all... Custom designed for Skype, so we still use Skype primarily. But uh, I'd never heard of Zoom, and my cousin, who is the most untech guy, you know, uh, he just uh, we just upgraded his uh, entertainment system from 1983 to now. I mean, he's like that's he's just behind the curve, and all of a sudden he was t- telling me he's taking guitar lessons on Zoom. I was like, what the hell is this? It's Zoom? What are you talking about? Guitar lessons on Zoom. And then within a week, it seemed like every person I knew had a Zoom account and was working with the Zoom app. Every person. I know—I mean, like, even my mom and dad. My mom and dad are 80. And they're, my mom would be like, we had cocktails with the Petersons on Zoom. And I was like, oh, my God, my mom is using Zoom. This is crazy. So... So, it's, it's just funny. But the, the best thing about it is, like, everyone essentially now has the means to contribute to podcasting or be a podcaster themselves. And I think that's, that's a pretty cool thing, the accessibility of it all. Again, making a stronger connection between podcasting and social media than ever before. So, pretty soon we'll all have shows. I mean, that's just that's just the direction
0: life is
1: going in <laughs> i think we all but do
0: doesn't doesn't everybody have a show now and now everybody's like everybody's a radio personality or a dj or a podcaster or a youtuber or a social influencer or a something I know. It seems like everybody yes
3: i had to go to broadcast school in the 80s man what a waste <laughs> of time that was
0: all uh, right tell me about <laughs> it <laughs> that, 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 that must piss you off man because you You've got, like, legit qualifications to do this. You're like, man, now everybody's doing it. And now everyone's doing
3: it. What the hell? You know, there are times when I look back to the early days of uh doing star wars podcasting and me and swank would go to events like star wars celebration or what have you and people would be like oh they're the podcast guys the podcast guys are here you know now everyone's a podcast guy and that kind of everybody's
1: a podcaster that's that kind
3: of sucks you know it it, it feels like you lose your individuality a little bit and and like everything i've worked for all these years to the choir Especially after you've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> now everyone's doing it, you know, it's uh, just like, oh man. God. I, I think the real trick is then just to, to maintain your, your visibility and, uh, integrity. Well, yeah, uh, obviously mm. you want to do that, um, with everything, but, uh, you know, you want to still make, make sure your production is something special. So, uh, you know, having more people in the, the mix, uh, it kind of, it pushes me a little. I, I, I get competitive sometimes. I, I used to get competitive with podcasting. I, I don't anymore. There's like a thousand Star Wars podcasts out there. I don't.
1: Yeah, but know, there's they, only one. Rebel Force.
3: Yeah, right. right. Yeah,
1: but they one. do their thing. Really we one. do our
3: thing. <laughs> they do our, their thing. We do our thing. I don't think it's necessary for us to cross streams or anything like that. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, some people demand it, you know, uh, other people. But I, I just think, you know. Uh, we just—I I like to just maintain our independence and and do what we do and just you know do it the way we do it. So hopefully we'll be able to do it for another fourteen, fifteen years. We'll see.
1: Hell yeah! What case. is the future? So what are you yeah. guys going to do next? I mean, you're doing this. Do you have any like big ideas for new shows and stuff? Or no, not really. I, uh, there
3: wasn't <laughs> <a> time. <laughs> <laughs> I did try to. I was very expansive with podcasting and my contributions to podcasting you know six seven years ago i even attempted to start a network called uh, shot glass digital
1: oh like kevin Smith, yeah
3: you know and i had like 30 shows all under my my roof and it just got to the point where it was you know some point in 2014 2015 when we're ramping up towards star wars returning into the theaters and everything Mm -hmm. and i really had um you know, I, I really looked in the mirror and said, am I doing what I want to be doing with all these shows? Or is it distracting me too much from
1: a lot of Star
3: Wars and all of that? And, and like, it just didn't turn into what I thought it was going to be. I thought the network was going to be like more cutting edge music, sports, um, movies, Definitely. of course. But it became like more like comic book Disney centric. And it just wasn't. Turning into the thing I wanted it to be, so just decided to your wife the had a good on show on, on there. I
2: remember, oh, your yeah. wife had snide remarks. I, I really Snider enjoyed that much. one. You and your wife had that little um, like where you'd sit down and have a glass of wine and talk about what's going on with the neighbors, was yeah, great. yeah, <laughs>
3: we were, yeah. It was just like a backyard hang with us. Um, yeah,
1: it was fun. Bring that wife, one back.
3: <laughs> I well, you know, that that gets talked about from time to time. Um, my wife Wendy is, she's a broadcast professional too. And she's a, she's a talk show host and she's had a a very high profile career in Chicago. And uh, it was during a time when she, you know, she was on the air, but she wasn't hosting a show. She was like doing news and stuff. And it was, you know, she was just, it was just a job. She didn't have her own show. And so I said, Hey, you know, I've been, Doing this podcasting thing for a while, did you ever think of doing one? Let's do one. So we just started doing it, and it turned into a whole big thing. That show, snide remarks, and uh, we haven't done any episodes in several years. The thing that really she ended up getting her show. Then you know she uh, moved out of the newsroom and uh, hosted a show on WGN Radio starting in 2013, and uh, that that talked her out for the week. <laughs> so there was no time to sit down behind a mic with me uh she didn't really need the show at that point and uh and now she's back to podcasting again she does the bill and wendy show which is a podcast extension of her on-air show and they do that a couple of times a week um but uh yeah so if if now if if that show stopped if she stopped doing the show with bill she would probably start getting the itch to get behind a microphone again and might say hey let's fire up snide remarks radio again but uh hasn't <laughs> eh, you know never say never it it'll come back at some at some point it, it will come back but uh yeah that was fun that was fun that was a lot of fun it, it was like um it was kind of like marriage counseling for us that show sometimes you know right. <laughs> Just get, uh, you know, have a few glasses of tequila and get on microphone and, and talk about each other and well, talk I about the you. things that we do to annoy each other. And uh, that's
1: what we do. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out too well. Trust me. <laughs> yeah,
3: I know.
0: I know. I know. Yeah, how, so, many
1: times? <laughs> how many times?
0: <laughs> uh, no, or quit. How many times? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Our me and Johnny 's relationship is really complex. We pick her like an old married couple, but apparently fans of it we just argue yeah, I'm not sure yeah. why, but
3: yeah. yeah, me and Swank have a similar relationship where you know he'll listen to recordings of the show and he'll be like, "You know sometimes I argue with you the same way I argue with my wife, and i'm <laughs> like, yeah, you probably get the same results, too, don't you
1: <laughs> you always lose <learn. laughs>
3: uh but Pretty yeah good. so so rebel force radio we do new shows every friday um and you can get them anywhere you get podcasts itunes stitcher soundcloud uh you name it um uh, spotify uh we have a youtube channel uh where you know youtube that's kind of just like a tool for us where we just we put some interesting videos and uh and uh Bits from the archive up there, you know, there's a lot of great interviews there with Star Wars celebrities. Um, that's something we've been able to do on Rebel Force Radio really well is, is, is uh, interview uh, notable personalities from Star Wars cast, crew, or even people who have, you know, who are well known for things outside of Star Wars. Just because they're big Star Wars fans, then they come and talk mm-hmm. to us. That's so awesome. that's kind of fun, and uh, so you can find a lot of that stuff on YouTube, and uh, so we put a lot of content that you can only get there. Patreon. So yeah, it's it's just been a blast. We're doing video now more than we ever did, uh, you know, thanks to a lot of this lockdown happening. But we started doing that about a year ago, so just a little ahead of the curve. But Jason's been trying to get me to do on camera stuff for you know, the better part of a decade. And I was resistant to it because, you know, I'm a radio guy, mm. but I got, you know, once we started doing it, I really fell in love with the whole thing. And, uh, I think our shows have really, uh, improved, you know, you start, you do this thing for a decade and a half. You, you still want to try to improve things and make them better or different, evolve your show.
1: Yeah. It goes in waves.
3: Yeah. And, and, and so, and
1: like I yeah, said, also, we've been lucky.
3: Also- we've been blessed to have a a loyal a large loyal audience that uh that sticks with us while we experiment with things and you know it's just it's really nice
0: all right that's cool do do you think the video added kind of like a little bit of spice to it oh yeah you know because you're saying you're like oh you're resistant and then then you did it for a little you're like oh i kind of like it now
3: yeah yeah i was really surprised at how much i i adapted to it you know I, i was really surprised but uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun. So you never know when new things pop up. Uh, you know, maybe in 14 years from now, we'll be doing hologram shows. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> done. I, know. I dropped the or mic. I'm finished. <laughs> who knew, who knew oh. that was coming? Uh, yo, can I ask one last question? Yeah. Okay. This question is actually from another listener. I gotta yeah. hook up the I gotta hook up our fans. So, uh, by the way, thank you, fans, for sending these questions. Um, this one here is also from uh, Michigan. Uh, the force is strong with Michigan, and this is from Casey. Okay, what happened to lightsabers in Star Wars? Lightsabers used to be powerful. When one came out, limbs dropped off, people died. For example, Darth Maul, Luke's hand, guy's arm in the Cantina, Roger Rogers in pieces. Things cut through metal like butter. In the new trilogy. Kylo gets hit in the face and still has a head. Think gets hit in the back and should be in two pieces, but only got a scratch. What the heck happened to lightsabers?
3: That's a good question. And, and also in the sequel trilogy, you don't see anyone lose a limb. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah. I mean, and that was always a big thing. As a matter of fact, you know, that's like sort of something that brings you close to the, the dark side, the path oh, yeah. of the
2: dark side
3: you, you lose Who was a guy named you?
2: Bolio in episode nine? Oh, he got, oh, he got his... Mark yeah, Hamill's but, voice, right? Yeah, yeah, but
3: did Kylo behead him? I guess he was holding the head.
2: No. <laughs> I think <laughs> so, he did. Yeah, that, that's my canon.
3: Yeah. yeah. but we don't see it. You know, we don't see yeah. it. Um, so uh, what that about the count? very
2: first scene? The very first scene in uh in on um the lava planet inside of uh episode nine. Or Kyle's just whacking off people's arms, cutting them in half, picking yeah. people up with a Yeah, he cuts off a guy's arm and you can see it laying behind him right before he goes for the um the the the, the GPS, whatever that thing is. Yeah, the wayfinder. Um, the no, wayfinder, you're right,
3: yeah. you're right. It's just I think that Ray should have probably lost a hand or something. You know?
2: Oh yeah. Because
3: yeah. it's like that's the thing that shows, you know, that's the most obvious physical manifestation of the path of the dark side. You start going down a path, you start losing pieces of yourself. And that's what George Lucas was trying to say. That's why when Luke has Vader down and he's chopped Vader's hand off and Luke pauses and looks at his own hand. And he realizes that if he strikes the killing blow on Vader, he's going to lose more of his humanity. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. when Luke looks at his hand and that it, it all comes together for him at that moment. Ray never had that. And that was that's something that, uh, you know, the storytellers just wanted to protect Ray at all costs from having any sort of trauma like that. Except and I think dying. that, af-
2: what's that? Except dying. She died, remember? Well, she does.
3: Yeah, she does die. You know, after heroically defeating Palpatine, um, yeah. yeah, she does die. And but I mean, that's at the very end, right? Um, you know, you want to see the characters get challenged along the way, and um, and yeah, she died. But again, that that was at the very end of the whole thing. So I mean, right. her her hero's journey at that point was pretty much finished to begin with. Right. Um, so you would have liked to seen her maybe hit a roadblock here or there. give us a more obvious uh, a more obvious illustration of her slide to darkness because it gets hinted right. at a lot in the movie, but you never really see mm-hmm. her struggle with the dark side That's the thing. you yeah. just never see her struggle with it, and
2: right. you and know it calls I see too remember.
3: You, you, you chop her hand off, you know. Give her, give her some real trauma. <laughs> Just chop your, her hand off. Yeah. Her, maybe a foot. <laughs> give her a limb. Yeah, yeah, maybe like a toe. Ah, maybe
1: a leg. Give us a, a, foot. Foot, a finger or something. Is anything? Oh, yeah. anything, anything, you know. And not eye though. That's too much. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, uh, you can't. Can't touch the eyes no she's, she's she's
3: lovely you don't want to, to face uh, the, the beauty of Gorgeous. daisy Ridley. Very but lovely. um but yeah so that's you know that's something there that um, with, with the sabers i get what you're saying um we did see vader use his saber to great it's uh, to, a to, to great effect in uh, rogue 1
0: uh, there he's chopping guys in half
3: he's i mean he's really massacring um,
0: but you know,
3: that's you're right, though, with the saber in the, the sequel trilogy. There's uh, there are moments when you'd like to see a little more power, you know, they should have put some stronger batteries in that thing or something. Because you're right, you know, Finn takes a scrape on the back, oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, just knocked him out cold, that's all that did. And then, yeah, Kylo takes a face, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, for me, the saber duels in the sequel trilogy are just lacking overall. To begin with, you know you don't they have don't make those,
0: them like they used to, right?
3: No, you, they don't, and you don't have those epic <laughs> showdowns like you did in episode one, three, five, and six. What?
2: Okay, in in episode one through three, you had the Jedi. You had the Jedi training each other. They learned from masters in Luke's in Luke's case and in Ray's case. They learn like Luke. Ray learned from touching Kylo's brain with a force and she absorbed all his force powers. Right. Luke had fifteen minutes on the Falcon to learn how to fight a, a, a flying Death Star, a little drone. Right. That's that's the only trainer. That's the only trainer. That's why the, all the, the all their fighting is so wooden. But when you get to like the prequels, everyone had like Kung Fu masters from way back when, thousands of years, who taught them how to twirl in all seven forms of all right. the saber fighting, right? Whatever that was. Right. Yeah. That's my theory though.
3: So we it, Gary? Uh, I have this. This is a lightsaber. Oh, whoa. whoa! This is one, yes. I built this it's at cool. uh, Galaxy's Edge. The uh, mm. the green screen is messing with it. If I hold it like, but it's cool. It's it's heavy. It's sturdy. It's. Um, I went to Galaxy's Edge and made this at uh, Savvy's Workshop, and uh, oh, the, at the, so at the Disneyland one. Unfortunately, I think they've closed down that interactive experience where you build the saber. Uh, because of COVID, yeah. uh, so I think you know it's yeah. that's been that's yeah. been kind of shelved for now, which is a shame because I took my kids. It's two hundred bucks a saber, so that Yo, was a six hundred dollar visit to Savvy's workshop for me. But I just I had to do it because I thought this is something that can become like a family tradition. And then maybe someday we'll take the grandkids there and they'll build the yeah. saber. You know, my, my son's kids, if, if we ever get to that point, you know? Um Yeah. So that's why I really wanted to do it. You know, I just wanted to have something that we could do together and sort of share. So that's I hope they awesome. bring it back. Yeah, it, it is awesome. I like cool. keeping it. I keep it here on my desk. It's really nice. Um,
2: you said it's heavy as well. It's a, like, Oh, it's heavy. heavy yeah. Bit. Nice. Yeah,
3: it's it's, it's it's you know there's a few pounds here, I don't know five pounds maybe. all
2: right So when so you're yeah. building it, do you have do you fit do you make it exactly like Luke's, or do you get to customize it to your own? It's all
3: custom. Yeah, you can oh, customize cool. it. They they you pick a category of okay of you know so like.
1: Like there's blue.
3: different ones there's like classic jedi ancient jedi there's like natural there's dark side and then you can put it mm. all together from the, it's like five or six pieces and you customize it. it's just a fun experience here in this dark room and there's a jedi knight there telling you all the stuff and then you hear all these sounds and yoda's voice and all of this and then what? Build it. oh, it's really cool I <laughs> <so bad. laughs> That sounds really cool. It is. It. It was. It was just great. It was. Yeah, we went last summer, and uh, and it was great going last summer because the attendance was down at the Disney oh, yeah. Park for some reason. Uh, you know, it was like right when they opened Galaxy's Edge, they they went to all of these, uh, they 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 jumped through all of these hoops to make. Uh, pathways wider at the park and uh, they were expecting this huge onslaught of people and their attendance just dropped like a rock and i couldn't believe it because we had been to disney two summers in a row the summer previous it was so packed there and just ridiculous long lines for everything even food and yeah. then we went last summer to see galaxy's edge and it was like oh my god God, this is amazing! We have the park to ourselves, and it was—I mean, it was just great. great. <laughs> it was just—I finally felt like I got my money's worth from a Disney trip for a change. <laughs> and uh, my I love kids the fact that it's crazy. based off
2: a of black a black spire um, outpost. That's cool because they mentioned that in Solo.
3: Yeah, I would have rather seen like uh, Moss Eisley myself. You know, oh, to go to awesome. Moss Eisley and go into the actual canteen and thing. I think more fans would have reacted to that after the huge success of the force awakens mm-hmm. uh that really gave uh, lucasfilm and disney confidence to uh to uh make this sequel era part of the park as opposed to classic stuff and i think they i think they, they may have made a, a serious misstep in doing that um okay they can always add on they can always, more, yes. you know, Disney is constantly evolving and changing things. So, yeah, they could. They could, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I I mean, who, knows, who, knows if, who knows if Disney's even going to survive all of this? I mean, they, they're oh, losing they billions this year. Yeah, pretty good. They're
0: richer than God. Come
3: they on. will. Yeah, who are we to question Mickey Mouse? <laughs> just bought
2: Fox for $71 billion. Yeah, that was, I mean,.
3: Overextension, if you ask me, I think well, that might be. They to get be... the
2: X Men in the and the and the Fantastic Four, and, and then yeah. they want Daredevil. All those characters back because they'll make seventy-one million dollars out of all the MCU and all the Star Wars films easily. Oh, they will. They will not earn some. Maybe I, I'll pay. I'll, I'll pay seventy-one million dollars over time. Just just over time, though. Maybe we'll see how
3: the MCU survives. You know this because they're kind of shaking things up there. We'll see how that re- that resonates mm. with uh, audiences. You know, I don't think that the future of Marvel mm. films is exactly uh, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know I, like, I like the Disney
2: Plus though. The thing they're going with uh, TV shows now. For me, mm. shows like The Mandalorian are much better than a movie because a movie's limited to two two and a half hours. The Mandalorian, if you think
3: about it, is eight hours, man. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah and, so they, like the and, and they, they just the show. and the thing about the Mandalorian is it was it was it was ready. You know, it was ready to be produced and released. Favreau had it all written. He had it all figured out. They had the technology in place, and so the show was. It had its its proper its proper incubation time. As opposed to the movies, which I really think are so rushed. And it's just like, let's throw all this stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. Um, yeah. The problem with the sequels is they, it turned out to be so gimmicky with all of the mysteries. You know, right, who's Ray's right. parents? Where's Luke? Where's, all these mysteries. It's like, just give me a straightforward story, please, because a lot of these mysteries didn't pay off. And right. I mean, they really didn't. We still don't know how Maz Kanata ended up with Luke's lightsaber. That's the biggest crime of all time. And Maz Kanata, as a character herself, was really evolved into a whole bunch of nothing. Um, Right. You know, it's just it's such JJ
2: Abrams. He screwed up by not getting the uh, the three main characters on screen together at the same time. That was the biggest f up that I have ever seen. I'm like, you had one job to do, bro tremendous one job and it takes 3 seconds to get all of them in the, for a hug
3: tremendous yeah. misstep yeah. tremendous they just had Man too, many people, too many people too many people sitting at the table who's who shouldn't have had a voice or say in any of this of how I it care. goes down they really they really blew it they really blew yeah. it but you know with the mandalorian it just it goes to show you that good star wars can still be made If you get the right people in there and they, and they have a fully fleshed out idea and story. There's a concept in place. There was no concept in place for the sequel trilogy from beginning to end. There was no concept. They had no idea what the hell they were doing. (laughs) <laughs> they really didn't. And a lot of people, you know, we were talking about Lucas earlier about how he sort of changed the story around for Return of the Jedi when he realized that, that he wanted to wrap it all up. A lot of people point to that go, well, you know, George didn't have a concept. He was making it all up on the fly. Not really. Not really. He changed things. George changed things. But he had yeah. a concept in place. He always did. I still don't understand what concept was in place for the – sequel trilogy and it's over <laughs> yeah.
2: it's done it's done johnson and it's- being the worst johnson being the worst one because johnson changed the main character because throughout all the trilogies all the movies the whole saga what does luke do luke goes to save his sister and in and in ryan johnson's version he's like eh, fucker she's gonna be <laughs> all right you know and I, I was like that's not luke's character bro uh, how did you just- write that
3: well, because it was all fueled by agendas and, you know, destroy the patriarchy and all of that stuff. And Luke Skywalker represents that. And so, you know, this overt feminization of Star Wars, it's just like all of this stuff that's going on is unnatural for the franchise. And the franchise has suffered as a result. I, I firmly believe Kathleen Kennedy for? needs to go. I firmly yeah. believe she needs to be shown the door. And it should have already yeah. happened. That's something I that should have you. already happened. A lot of people will say, oh, put Favreau in charge. Well, you know, who says Favreau wants to do that? He's a filmmaker. He's a creative. You think he wants to mm. run a, a, a business like Lucasfilm? No. But, you know, yeah. make him a creative, you know, supervisor or something. And uh, yeah. and and keep, keep people like the, you know, all of these – the, these goons that Kathleen Kennedy brought into Lucasfilm to reshape the company and and the story group and all that, they got to blow that stuff up, man. Otherwise, they'll never make another successful Star Wars film. They never will yeah. because it, it gets so bogged down. It well, gets so make, bogged down.
1: Maybe they should just start making more TV shows. Just
3: well, like, that's, yeah. yeah just that's go with, like, plan.
1: Sandatorian. Well, that's why you know
3: Iger bought Fox to begin with was so he would have content for Disney Plus, and yeah. uh, and uh, that's why they're prioritizing television shows, Star Wars television shows, is because of Disney Plus. I mean, that's the big deal. Yeah, and uh, so and it's real easy now to hide behind COVID as an excuse and say, well, this is why we're doing it this way and that way, but. Uh, I don't mind the fact that uh, the Taika Waititi film has been pushed back a, another year to 2023. It's just like, take your time, guys. This is Star Wars. This is supposed to be important. You're not supposed to fart this stuff out like yeah, it's, yes. you know, mass-produced, homogenized silliness, you know? This isn't the Transformers, okay? <laughs> so. And drop you know, all, the, uh, drop all
2: the political nonsense and give me a good story with, with laser swords, right? Maintain yeah, the integrity Star
3: of Star Wars and yeah. stop yeah. injecting these agendas into it. But you know, that's not, uh, that's not gonna stop. Yeah. So, it's just well, you
2: you wanna, so, one, one last thing I want to point out is like at the very end of uh, at the very end of Rise of Skywalker, they have that the, the second biggest kiss in Star Wars. I thought that was unnecessary. I kind of liked it. Nobody else, I, I kinda is, kinda nobody else it. is kissing. Nobody, I, liked else is kissing. I, I, I liked it too, but nothing's wrong with that. But I, I thought nobody else is kissing. Well,
3: you know, the sequel trilogy was just staunchly unromantic, and mm. um, just a little, a little bit of. Of that sort of chemistry I thought was was sorely lacking from the sequel trilogy so you give us a little token kiss there at the end it it gets people fired up and talking and drives all those rainbows crazy who?
2: Lando and Leia put them together
3: well that would have been interesting
2: Hans out of the picture his kids have all gone crazy Lando send Leia his love
3: yeah. Wearing Han's yeah. clothes, flying Han's shit. <laughs> <On me. laughs> you know, Chewbacca is his Isn't best, best so friend. Violent? Yeah. Yikes. All right, guys. Well, it's <laughs> been great talking. I mean, seriously, I, I've had a blast. So to I gotta go grab some, some breakfast. Um, right, you know, I, I really appreciate you
1: guys uh, having me uh, hang with you, and uh, it's been a blast. Jimmy, Mac, dude, thank you so much for being on Got Faded Japan. I know you're really busy and stuff, and you've got a lot to do, but... Um, faders definitely check out rebel force radio if you don't know about it now you know about it you know exactly where to go for all your star wars needs and knows
0: yeah, yeah. right
1: on right on
3: new shows With, every link friday description,
0: link description will go below all his details and everything so you can you can just click over to his podcast no problem and like yeah jimmy once again thank you
2: thank and you awesome, guys like, you know
0: just yeah just dropping your thank wisdom you. on, on us about star wars I, I really appreciate uh,
3: you guys uh, having me join you, and uh, best of luck with your show in Japan. I hope to make it out to that awesome country some other day. God, I loved it there. Let us know. I, I just absolutely loved it there, and uh, it may, maybe they'll have another Star Wars event out there sometime because it was great that one year when when the Star Wars me. celebration.
0: It, it, it's was got, got a, a following stories. here. It's, yeah, it's got a lot. Definitely. It's got a big following here, so I think yeah. Yeah, All yeah,
2: right, have, guys.
0: It right yeah. Oh, well, those are
3: those okay. must be a blast.
2: Yeah, those must be crazy.
3: That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay, guys. Take care. <laughs> May, May the force be, be with you. May the
1: force, May the force be with, be with you. 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 Holy smokes, faders. We had Jimmy the man, Mac on Got Faded Japan. This guy is a Star Wars iconic legend. He's not only the host of Rebel Force Radio, this guy is jimmy the man mac oh my gosh you you know you know the inner geek in me is screaming it's like oh my god did you just do this do we just do this oh my god (laughs) oh i'm still shaking in my boots when recorded this episode last night oh boy oh boy i need a breather oh god fanboy yep that's right hand in the air fanboy just me oh god all right Faders, you know what to do. Go down to patreon. Give us five dollars and get all the shit that we got there We've got so much stuff for you. It's it's incredible. We've got the video from this episode. We've got tons of videos We've got outtakes. We've got bonus interviews bonus stories Tom Tom every couple of days reads a random story from the news It's it's great. It's great stuff And it really helps us and it supports us making episodes like this if you want to hear more special episodes like this definitely sign up for the Patreon because it makes this stuff real. And also, uh, I do got to give a mad shout out to MMA Japan. Jeremy is the president of that, and that also helps us do episodes like this. Uh, Jeremy's got mad connections through MMA Japan, and MMA Japan is a fantastic place to get all your MMA Japan needs. I mean, if you want to know anything about MMA in Japan, then you got to go to MMA Japan. Check it out. (laughs) It's all there. Enough said. Oh, man, Faders. And, um, yeah, we know times are tight right now. And if you don't have $5 to support the show, it's totally cool. We've got much respect and Mads love for you. So, uh... You can also support the show if you go down to iTunes and give us a five-star review and write something groovy That's nice. It helps us out And um, yeah, we also have Instagram and Facebook go there like it and uh, comment on the photos There's daily photos and when I say daily photos sometimes three four five photos a day Sometimes I think it's too much. We got five people working on that. Maybe even six I don't even know it's out of my hands Got bit of Japan is out of control, but we're still on the highway and we're going 110 miles an hour dude. this this episode is incredible Incredible, and this show is non-stop, Baders. And on that note, oh my god, <laughs> I gotta watch more Star Wars, dude. After, after that episode, I'm like, I need more. I need more! <laughs> May the force be with you.
2: Peace.
0: My little brother, a goddamn shit-sookin' vampire. Will oh, you eat till mom finds out, buddy.
2: I've got a government job to abuse and lonely wife the
0: fuck.
3: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted it's to be suicide. a gangster.
0: I was a pressure. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't stand to
2: it. <laughs> you sure
0: I should do this, man? We're going freaky. We came, we saw, we kicked his
2: ass.
3: Your move, creep.
2: Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Yeah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.